Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Today we have to finish the, uh, a, a very special topic, and whenever I was dealing with the layout of this particular series, I thought about teaching this lesson, but I thought I am not as qualified as one person in this room to teach this lesson. Some of you m- may not know my background, but I grew up in a very abusive home, a very um, unstructured home, a very broken home, and I came out of that, and I used a lot of those experiences for ministry now today. But as I began to be, as I came out of Bible college and we got married, we found out that there's a lot of things that began to surface that we had to deal with that I didn't even know was there, okay? So dealing with affirmation of my father, never having that, all of those things I walked through, those are now trophies really on a shelf for me that I, hey, that's a conquer, that's a victory, you know, that's a place where I came from, but it allows me to minister on a very individual and personal level with with people. And so um, I was thinking, okay, I could teach this lesson. But I think it would be even better for someone to teach it who married someone who was broken and had to deal with all of those different things that come with the brokenness of a past that I didn't choose. You know, some things I chose when I got older, but from a young age, from from about five to right around 11, I spent my time in my bedroom because that was the safe place for me. But she and I had to work through all those things. And now, As you know, some things apply to every area of life. And so as we're doing this lesson today, I hope that you can apply it to every area of your life where you see things broken. Amen? So would you stand with me as we welcome my wife to come and teach this last lesson of Broken Together, Two Sides of Broken. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray. Jesus. Yeah, that's okay. I know I know it feels a little bit different today as far as the feel of the service, but that's okay. Jesus, I want you to touch this word and I want it to penetrate our hearts, Lord God. Just as the word is a seed that can be planted in our hearts, it can grow by the word. It can grow by your word. It can grow by the watering of your spirit. So I ask you today to minister through my wife today as she shares what it's like to come from the opposite perspective, to see the two sides of broken. And today we ask you to use this not only in these four walls, but as we push it out on the internet, on the website, that someone would hear it and it would quicken their heart and they would think to themselves, I don't want to live where I've been anymore. I don't want to stay where I was found by you, Jesus, but I want to go beyond that. And I'm going to ask you today, Lord God, to do a work from this word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's give Sarah a big hand as she comes and you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I got out my notes and then I put them away, so pardon me while I do that over again. All right, praise the Lord, everyone. I'm so privileged to be um, in front of you this morning, and as my husband prefaced, 
Um, he came from a broken home, and I was blessed to not come from a broken home. Um, I came from a very godly home, a very um, solid home, a very safe home. And so um, he's right. There is a, a big difference in those two worlds. And so I'm going to try to give you a little perspective uh, from my perspective on that today with this, with this lesson. I want to start with Psalm 147, verse 3. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. We're talking about God here. He heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. So I'm going to talk to you today about the two sides of broken. Side A and side B. Side A we're going to address first. Side A is the not broken people. Okay, the not broken. That actually is me. I was not a broken person in the sense um, that I grew up in the home that was a haven from the brokenness of sin. We know sin entered the world and uh, it caused us all to be in a fallen state. And we we're broken from the start. However, uh, uh, my type of upbringing is I wasn't allowed to feel broken. I was sheltered from a lot of um, sinful situations that could have damaged me, brought more hurt to me, caused me to uh, follow the path of sin. I was not that person. The person that is uh, broken, that is not broken, is, was not abused, was not taken advantage of, was, was not led to be confused about God. Their view of God was a right viewpoint, a good viewpoint. Uh, so this is the not broken person. They're raised in a God-fearing home. They're loved. They're encouraged. They're given confidence. They're able to, to walk with confidence in themselves and in who God is in their life. Some people are not broken. Some people are less broken also. Those kind of people fall into this category as well. There's um, people who have the majority of these things that I'm talking about. Um, they're not broken people. Side A, not broken people. It doesn't mean that they don't deal with brokenness because of our fallen world. Our broken world is full of people who are suffering from the effects of sin. And like in my case, I married broken. And a lot of people do because there's so much brokenness, it's hard not to. It's very rare that a home has two not broken people come together and form a marriage that doesn't have brokenness to start with. That's very unusual these days. I think you would agree with that. So what if you're the person who's living with the broken person? It doesn't mean that they're less. It doesn't mean that you're more. It means that you have two different perspectives on your marriage, on your relationship. Uh, maybe uh, the relationship is a friend relationship, um, just a family member, um, or maybe it is your spouse. Are you the weird person in today's world? because everybody's broken. <laughs> Are you the weird one? I have to say, sometimes I feel like the weird one in our relationship, because I feel like I've got this great perspective and nobody seems to agree with it. <laughs> so how do <laughs> you do? Thank you. So how do you deal with the brokenness around you when you don't really understand it? Because of my background, I don't understand what it's like to be abused. I don't understand what it's like to be pushed down. And I don't understand what it's like to not feel safe in your own home. I don't get that. I don't understand that. Again, that doesn't make me better. It just is different. And I have to learn how to deal with my side of broken and his side of broken. 
I have the not broken side. He has the broken side. There is a story in the Bible. There's a whole book in the Bible um, about the prophet Hosea. It's a little book um, in Hosea. It's, it's actually a sad story. Um, if you read the book of Hosea, it's, you, you, you get a sense of sadness, a sense of loss, um, a sense of judgment because God was using Hosea to warn the Israelites of the judgment that he was bringing to them. So let's look at the story of Hosea and Gomer, who is, is his wife. God gave instruction to Hosea. He said, marry a woman who has been raised in an immoral household. That seems like weird instructions from God, right? <laughs> Go find a woman. The Bible calls her a daughter of whoredom. That's strong. It leads us to believe that she may have been raised in a house of harlotry. She may have been raised in a house of prostitution. She was raised in a whorehouse is what it makes it look like. She's a daughter of whoredom. So she was broken from the start. She didn't have a chance, right? She, she had... A bad, I'm just imagining here because it doesn't go into detail, but she must have, she probably had a bad childhood. Maybe she had been molested. Maybe she had been sexually abused. Certainly, she did not start with a good example of proper marriage relationships. Here's this wonderful man, Hosea, who is a man of God. And under God's instruction, he comes and wants to marry her. Gomer may have felt like it was a fairy tale to begin with. She might have fallen deeply in love with this great man. She was cared for. She was loved. She wasn't abused by him. That may have been a complete switch in her life. We don't know for sure, but it seems like it, according to the way it's written. Yet her brokenness still led her down a broken path. She had all this now going for her. She all of a sudden had this great life with this great man, and yet her brokenness led her right back to where she came from. She went into adultery. She took on lovers outside of her marriage, and the Bible says that she eventually became a slave to one of her lovers. Wow. She left her husband, became a slave to one of her lovers. God gave new instruction to Hosea. Okay, now Hosea just has experienced a lot of pain, right? And God's instructions, go find your wife, Gomer, and buy her back. Buy her. And Hosea obeyed. He had to pay the standard market price of a slave to get his wife back in his home. Now, this is a beautiful picture of redemption because we are slaves to sin and Jesus came and died on the cross to buy us back. But that's not the part of the story that I'm really going to focus on, but I want you to know that that's there because Jesus sees us in our sin, in our filthiness, in our brokenness, and he wants to redeem us back to himself. We already belong to him. Gomer already belonged to Hosea. They already were in a marriage covenant. She was his already. He didn't need to have to buy her, but yet that's what he did in order to show her that she was so important. He was willing to put out money, a fair market price, to make her his once again. He willingly paid the price. God gave one more instruction to Hosea. He was supposed to use this painful marriage experience to preach to the people of God. His private pain 
became a public example of God's redemptive plan. Hosea obeyed that too. Now that might have been very difficult for him to do because when we have painful areas, we don't want to just display them to everyone, right? Do you, if you have been in an abusive situation, is that something you just want to paste all over? Do you want to stand up in public and say, this happened to me, I felt this way, I have this pain? No, that we naturally want to hide that. We naturally don't want people to see that. We don't want to light shown on that part of our of our life, right? We don't want that. But Hosea was instructed to take his private pain and publicize it. Wow. So there's a few things that come with uh, the not broken person uh, having to deal with broken people. The first thing I want to address on this is the burden of broken. Brokenness is a burden. It wasn't supposed to be ours. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world through their choices. And so initially, we weren't supposed to be broken. We were supposed to be whole. We were supposed to be perfect. We were supposed to live in an ideal world. But uh, we are supposed to take on the burden of broken. Hosea's burden, simply because he married a broken person, was this. He was misunderstood by his peers. Why are you marrying a prostitute? What is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Loss of marital bliss. He could have married a, a good woman and he could have had a wonderful marriage, right? Isn't that what we'd really like to have? He could have done that, but he didn't because God told him not to. He had to suffer betrayal from the very woman he loved, the mother of his children. They had three children. The mother of his children betrayed him. And then he had to suffer public shame that was not of his own doing. He hadn't done anything wrong. But he was shamed publicly because of the brokenness that he was attached to through his marriage. He gladly shouldered the burdens that came with that relationship. The burden of broken, he shouldered. Jesus Christ does that to us. He gladly takes that burden on us. He says, come unto me, all ye that are, are heavy laden. Give me that burden. I'll gladly carry that. And in exchange, I'm going to give you a different burden, but it's light. It's easy to carry. He does that for us. In, uh, in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, we need spiritual people, spirit-led people, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So saying, be careful, stay spiritual. And then the next verse, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the not broken people are supposed to actually look for the broken people and help them bear their burden. And so off of this, I consider part of my marriage covenant to be that I should be helping to bear the burden of broken that was placed on him, not by his choice. Not by his choice. And that is how we are supposed to view the body of Christ. There are people that come into the body of Christ that are broken from the start. And those of us who are not broken or who have experienced healing by the power of the name of Jesus, we are supposed to help them bear that burden, help them carry it to the cross. Bear you one of another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Mark 12 shows us what is the law of Christ. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So the law of Christ, by bearing one another's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ in loving our neighbor as ourself. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. So that that's the burden of broken. Now let's talk about the balance of broken. Again, we're, we're still looking at it from the perspective of the not broken person. Hosea could have rejected Gomer after her infidelity. He could have said, you know what? You've screwed up so badly. I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want you touching my children. You stay away. You have messed up my life. And the world would say it's his right to see it that way. The world would say, yeah, she deserves to be a slave. She chose to go there. Nobody forced her into adultery. She chose it, right? And we can get hardened that way. And we can say, you know, you chose that. You were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You could have made your decisions better. You could have fought differently. You could have tried harder. And we can be very tough on one another. We're not supposed to be. That's certainly not bearing each other's burdens. This is a... Lego bridge on a, an inclined plane. <laughs> okay, never mind. We'll put it down here again. And you can see that it's whole and it's perfect. It's standing nicely straight. This is the not broken person. This is the way God would like us to walk in, in victory. But life breaks us and, break, and the brokenness causes imbalance. The brokenness will cause imbalance in the relationship. We're an imbalanced relationship, broken and not broken. And so it's still holding up the top piece, but it's not imbalanced. If we're not careful, we will tend to tip toward the broken area, as you see here. We'll tip toward it. We'll emphasize it. We'll pay too much attention to it. God says that we are supposed to lay our burdens at his cross and we're supposed to leave them there. So when God comes into your life and he says, I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to give you new life. And we say, yes, Lord, I want that new life. I want to be clean and pure before you. And we accept all of that. A lot of times we still uh, consider our brokenness instead of consider our healing. And so we tip toward the broken areas and it puts stress on our relationships and it puts stress on the body of Christ and it puts stress in us that doesn't belong there. We will tip towards those broken areas. We make choices based on the pain of the brokenness and these choices fulfill or destroy what could be fulfilling, what could be beautiful. The types of broken that get us out of balance are not only abuse from others, like I've already mentioned, but self-assault circumstantial fallout, the shrapnel of the things around us, a refusal to forgive. That's a brokenness that'll get us out of balance. You got to get that fixed. Rejection of knowledge that can lead to life. When you are a child of God and you choose to walk by the, the Holy Ghost and you choose to read the word of God and apply it to your life, this is knowledge that can lead to life. 
And when you know it, you have to do something with it. You will either apply it or you will reject it. And if you reject it, you are causing more brokenness in your life. And then you need more healing. So it can be a cycle. You have to be cautious of that. And then another part of uh, the not broken person, submission. Submission. Broken but submitted. Three types of submission that we frequently take a look at in the scripture are this. Submission of the man to Christ as the head of the church. Submission to the woman, of the woman to the man as the head of the home. And submission of the children to their parents, right? Those are all the three submissions that we talk about the most. But there is another area of submission that is commanded in the word of God. And that's in Ephesians 5, verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This submission is a yielding of yourself to the other person. Okay? And why and how? In the fear of God. That means out of respect for God. The other person is God's creation. That person is a child of God. That person is a soul that God loves so much that he was willing to wrap himself in flesh and come to earth and die on the cross to save that person from their sins. Who am I? Who am I to think that that person isn't worth me submitting to and yielding to and helping along the way? I don't want to bear that burden some days. I don't want to be attached to brokenness some days. It wasn't my brokenness. I don't want that some days. But who am I to choose that? He's a child of God. God loves him with a never-ending love. I have to see him the same way. If I'm going to be Christ-like, I have to take on the mind of Christ, and I have to see him the same way that Christ sees him. I have to love him the same way that Christ loves him. I have to yield my not-brokenness sometimes to his brokenness in order for him to uh, have the, the healing that God wants to bring to his life. It is an act of peacemaking. You're not just bringing peace to the area of conflict, but you're helping the broken person to relax into a new habit of letting the peace of God rule in their heart. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body and be thankful. They may need your help relaxing into that peace. And then there's one more area, the blessing of broken. How can broken be a blessing to me, a not broken person? How can I be blessed by living with a broken? Out of Hosea's own agony, he learned several things. And these are the things that we need to learn. He learned what grace truly is. He learned how to extend that grace to his unfaithful wife. He learned how to exemplify the grace of God in the world around him. Remember, he was an example. That was the whole point that God wanted him to go through this. He learned to give Gomer, his wife, a safe place to heal from her brokenness. Sometimes people remain broken because they've not been given a safe place to heal. And the church is supposed to be a safe place to heal. And who are we to not allow for the healing of God to wash over a broken heart, a broken mind, a broken body? Who are we to stop that up? We are supposed to help that process. So when somebody comes in and they're broken, we are supposed to love on them. We're supposed to bring them with the, to them the mind of Christ. I will bear your burden. I 
will love you with the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says this about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then it says love never fails. Only God can do the healing part. He's the healer. Only God can heal them and make them whole. If you are a not broken, God has an expectation of you to be like Hosea and be used by him to give grace and love to this broken world. This is true Christ-likeness. I want to be a Christian? That means I'm a follower of Christ. If I'm going to follow Christ, then I have to do what he does. I have to be who he is to the world around me. That's how they know Jesus is through me. So that's the one side of broken. What's the other side of broken? Side B, the broken. I want to talk to those today who are here that are broken. You know that you're broken. Broken people know they're broken. Uh, it shows up in their, in their life. They're, they're just like, why can't this work out? Oh, yeah, that's right. I have brokenness in, in my past. Do you believe God heals? Do you believe God delivers? You can't just say it. You have to believe it. And a lot of times the feelings take us over. The feelings overshadow the knowledge of God, the belief in God. And we have to reject those feelings when they come against the knowledge and belief in God. Let's look at the feelings. If you would turn in your Bibles to Lamentations. Lamentations um, was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations uh, chapter 3. Through the majority of this chapter, the prophet is whining, basically. He is bemoaning all these feelings that he has. So let's see what are the feelings. See if some of these relate to you. These are feelings that we can allow to take over our lives. Right in verse 1. He says he's a man that has seen affliction. Okay, these are some of his feelings. I'm afflicted. Verse 2, I'm in darkness. Verse 3, God turns his hand against me all the day. See, he's just starting to wallow here. Number 4, I'm old. My bones are broken. Number 5, he's builded against me. He's compassed me with gall and travail. Oh, this sounds pathetic. Number 6, I feel dead. I'm like dead. I just feel dead. Some people do. They feel dead inside. I'm not trying to make fun. I just want you to see how these feelings can get out of hand. Number seven, I can't get out. It's a hopelessness. I can't get out. My chain is heavy. Number eight, when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. God isn't even listening to me. Feelings. Number nine, he's made my paths crooked. I can't even walk straight. Number 10, it's like a bear is lying in wait. This is fear, confusion and fear. Number 11, he's pulled me in pieces. He's made me desolate. There's like nothing. I'm just hopeless. There's a nothingness in my heart. Number 12, he has set me as a mark for the arrow. I'm a target. I'm a victim. Feelings. I'm a target. I'm a victim. By the way, if you see yourself as a victim, then you are ignoring the fact that God has a plan for your life. If you consider yourself a victim, then you're either not believing that God has a plan or you're considering yourself a victim of God. 
because God will work his plan and we have to allow him to work his plan and see how he can work all things together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Verse 14, I was in derision. People are making fun of me. Verse 15, I'm filled with bitterness. Verse 17, I have no peace. I've re- my soul is far removed from peace. I, I'm not prosperous. Nothing's going my way. Verse 18, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. I'm in despair. These are all feelings. And I am not going to lie. Every one of us have felt at least one of these feelings at least one time in our life. And you can't say that you haven't. And in fact, you probably admit that all of these have happened at some point or another. Right? Right. So all of these feelings. But we get down to verse 21. But... This I recall to my mind. He is purposefully reminding himself. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful. He doesn't stop being your healer tomorrow just because you don't feel it. He hasn't stopped giving you peace just because you don't feel it. Your feelings can lie to you. Your feelings can take over your mind and bind you. You have to reject the feelings and trust in God. Think about the story of Daniel. Daniel, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, right? He's obeying God. He's serving God in a wicked a wicked city. He's in the king's court. Everybody knows he's a godly man. Everybody sees him being a godly man. The Bible says that he had a public prayer time three times a day. Not public in the sense that he was standing on the street corner. I'm going to pray now. He was having a public prayer where it says that he stood by his window. People could see that he was praying and they knew he was praying. And they probably saw the effects of his prayers. So they knew. And people will know when you're living for God and they'll feel the effects of it. They just, they know that you are a God person. When you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, that can't help but boil over onto the people around you. And they know, they feel it. They know something's different about you. Well, Daniel had some enemies and they wanted to do away with him. We know this story. And Daniel ended up obeying God, but disobeying the king. And if you're ever in that choice, God is the higher authority, and you have to choose that way. And he did. And Daniel was thrown in the den of lions. And what would you expect? Hungry lions in a den. They haven't eaten for a while. You're going to expect that Daniel is done. That's it. Daniel's dead, right? Well, the king thought so for sure. And the king was upset about it because he considered Daniel his friend. And so he threw him in the lion's den and he's like, oh, oh no. And Daniel's like, God's going to take care of me. Well, the king didn't think so. <laughs> and the Bible says that he ran there in the morning and they had them uh, open the door. And he's like, Daniel, has your God saved you? And Daniel called back. Yes, of course he did. Of course he saved him. But I want to point out something in this story. Daniel was in a hard place. He was at a low point in his life. And God kept him, but didn't just keep him. He came out of the, the lion's den with not a scratch. 
not a scratch. There was no struggle. There was no uh, no lion almost biting him. There was no, there was none of that. He came out without a scratch. God is able to completely keep you whole, bring you out completely whole. Even in the midst of your brokenness, it doesn't matter what you've experienced. You could feel like you're in the lion's den, but God will bring you out and he is interested in making you whole. He wants to not just heal you, but make you whole. Remember, remember the, uh, all the healings very frequently throughout the New Testament. When Jesus would heal, he would not only heal, but the Bible would say they, he made them whole. So if, they, if he healed them of leprosy, their, their hands were restored to whole hands. If they were sinners, he restored them body and soul. He took away their sin. He is he is interested in making you complete. The three Hebrew children went into the furnace, right? And they came out. And the Bible says that they didn't even smell smoke on them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Well, if I stand by a campfire for five minutes, I smell like smoke, right? Everybody does, right? If you are standing next to somebody who's smoking a cigarette, guess what? A little of that clings to you, right? You can stand there for just a few minutes and it'll cling to you. And a few minutes later, you'll be like, oh, I smell like smoke, right? They're in a furnace (laughs) and they come out and the Bible says that not even their eyebrows were singed. Nothing. Well, you can stand over a hot stove and singe those, right? (laughs) Not even an eyebrow was singed. Not even a smell of smoke on their clothes. God brought them out and made them complete, kept them whole. Don't settle for brokenness. Don't settle for victimhood. You are complete in him if you will choose to walk his paths, if you will choose to look to the one person who can answer your problems, the one person who can heal your body, the one person who can heal your your hurts, your bitternesses. He's the one that can make you new. God's power can heal you, can transform you, can renew you, can help you be an overcomer. You have to walk God's path in order to get God's results. So whether you're on one side of broken or you're on the other side of broken, we still have the same need, and that is to be complete in him. And the way that God makes us complete in in him is that he actually will have a relationship with you, and he will cover you with his healing, and he will wash you in his blood, and he will fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost so that you have the power to be an overcomer in this world, so that you can walk every day with that healing virtue running through your veins, running over your soul. He will not leave you or forsake you, the Bible says. He is with you every single day. Don't doubt him. Don't let your feelings overcome you. Reject those feelings and stand firm in the knowledge and the truth of God's word. In Jesus' name. That's both sides of broken. Maybe you haven't uh, a good reference point for this. Maybe you do, but I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord if you just stand here, Sarah. Um, this was probably very difficult for her to do today because she has to speak from both sides of it. 
and she has to speak from the Word of God because we, we want to give more Word than we talk about ourselves. But I want you to know that there is a very important lesson to be learned in, in dealing with all of this different thing, the different things that we've had in our life is the enemy wanted to separate us, wanted to pull us apart, tried to drive a wedge through our life because of brokenness. But because he made me whole, he put us back together, amen? Yes. He kept us strong, and that's important. So I'm only standing here because I want you to see a testimony of how God makes things whole. Yes. This is a living example of something that shouldn't have worked. Yes. And it did, because God's just that good. And so I'd ask you, if you have a place of broken in your life, give it to the Lord. Surrender it entirely to Him. Because until you give it up to him, he cannot touch it wholly and make it complete and make it new. And so would you bow your heads with me? And maybe you can think of somebody in a relationship right now. If, if you would just bow your heads with me. Jesus, there may be a family member relationship. There may be a husband and wife in this room. I, I'm not going to judge, but you know better than I do what needs to be mended in this room right now. God, and even though we can stand here and say, look, this worked for us, I know it works because it's your word that works. It's your word, Lord God, and your word never comes back without doing its work. It never returns void, Scripture says. So it has to do that which it's called to do. So would you help there be a mending of relationship? If there's someone that you're you're willing to grab the hand of right now, would you just take their hand and would you pray for them? It's not saying that they're the broken and you're the not broken. It's it's none of that. It's you're standing side by side. But if you take somebody's hand right now, and, and maybe you're empty of strength and maybe you feel like you have no more to give if you just open your heart to God he will refill you he'll fill you to overflowing and he'll give you the ability to flow to that broken and to be the covering that they need so that they can be whole and they can be healed they're not going to get it all right No, nor will you but you can make it you can do it you have better days ahead of you with God our best days are always ahead of us so you have to realize the enemy cannot drive a wedge I come against the work of the enemy I cancel every plot and every scheme I feel the Holy Spirit moving into this room right now under the authority of the Holy Ghost I ask you right now God to dismantle every device of the devil dismantle every everything that he's tried to do every plot every scheme every broken area that he's taken advantage of if you would right now mend and make whole we give you the praise and the glory for all that you have done for how you keep us how you hold us together in Jesus name we pray and everyone said in Jesus name I want to tell you that you may feel like you would have had less of a cross to bear in life had you not married into a broken relationship. But I saw this little cartoon this week and this guy was carrying this really heavy, long cross and he was like, Jesus, this is just too much for me. Could I just cut the end off just a little bit? Is that okay? Just cut the end off the cross, take some burden out of my life. And so he got a hacksaw out and he sawed off portion of the end. And he started carrying his cross again. He's like, God, this is still too much for me. Can I just shorten my cross up? Can I just take a little bit less burden in life? And so he sawed off another portion. And then he came to this gap between him 
and what was complete and wholeness and, and walking into the beauty of heaven. And everyone else that were carrying the big burdens and the big crosses, they laid them down and they walked across the gap. But now his cross was too small for him to cross over because Jesus designed him to be able to carry the load. God knows the weights we must carry. And if you just keep lifting it, pretty soon you're like, yeah, I got this. Put another 50 on the bar. Pretty soon it's not the same weight as it used to be. You will pick up the cross you bear in life and you will carry it to a place that will help you walk across into something victorious. And I'm asking you today, would you allow that for your life? Would you take that with you this week? Would that be okay? That we carry, some of us carry very heavy crosses. And when we come here during the week, we're like, man, you don't even know. This is my only breather this entire week. You don't even know what I've been through. But guess what? That cross is only going to make you stronger. And it's going to make you what God wants you to be. Is that all right today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Take us out of this place today, Lord God. Be with us and walk near us. Lord, you never leave us or forsake us, but be real. Be real with us this week. Be right there. When we feel like we're lifting the cross one more time on Monday, and when we, we, we shoulder up the weight of our family on Tuesday, and when we shoulder up the burden of the things that we feel inside, and we're like, these feelings are overwhelming, but help us to remember that God knows what we carry and recall the blessings and not just the burdens. In Jesus' name, amen.